Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Progeny Podcast. This week I'm joined by Hassan Kubba, author, entrepreneur and startup strategist. Today inshallah we'll speak about how someone can launch their own business, having unfair advantages and advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. So Hassan, assalamu alaikum. Thanks for joining us. Um, I'm going to start off by, you know, what is a startup strategist? That's what you do. What does that mean for those people that are just sort of listening to us today but thinking they understand the author, the entrepreneur, but the startup strategist, what, what does that exactly entail? So startup strategist, that's, uh, that's one very shorthand way of describing what we do. Um, well, we help, uh, that, and that by we, I mean Ash and myself, and with the Unfair Advantage training company, we help uh, startup founders or aspiring startup founders get started with their business, get launching it, getting it going, getting their first customers. So the areas that I kind of focus on, the way I break it down is we help them start their startup, grow their startup and raise funding for their startup. So get funding. And you mentioned someone there, Ash, uh, who's that? And so her. Ash Ali's uh, my co-author on the Unfair Advantage book. So it's called The Unfair Advantage, How Startup Success Starts With You. So it's all about how at the root of success in business, or to be honest, it actually applies everywhere in life, to be honest with Mm -hmm. you. Um, It all starts with you and what your strengths are and what your unfair advantages are. So Mm -hmm. by strengths, people usually talk about personal strengths. Oh, I'm I'm really good at something. I'm really good at writing or I'm really good at um, coding. But um, we also want to include circumstantial strengths. And that's what we mean by unfair advantages. Let's say you have access to a lot of people with money who can fund your startup. That's an unfair advantage. Let's say you're um, exceptionally bright and smart. Maybe you started coding when you were like a little kid and you're really good at coding. So, for example, that's another unfair advantage that you might have. Or just the fact that for some reason or other, you're famous. You know a lot of people. You have high status or you have good connections. You're from a good family. From a good family. Whatever it might be. So that's, so that's an unfair. That's under yeah. status, right? So we've broken down the unfair advantages into a framework. And uh, Ash Ali is the one who came up with the original concept of the unfair advantage. And I helped him develop it and I co-wrote the book with him. And we initially met in, t- in a business dinner, mm-hmm. networking dinner. And um, he had just had success with Just Eat, the big takeaway company, delivery nice. company nice. in the UK. Mm-hmm. And all over Europe, actually, they are. And he was the first marketing director in the UK. Mm-hmm. So only the third senior member of staff and startups in the early days they don't have any money to spend on big salaries so he had equity that's what they usually give out is you know shares in the startup mm-hmm. so he had shares in just eat and then they went ipo so that means they went in the stock market in 2014 and did really well they did 1.5 billion pounds on the stock market that's how much they were valued well wow. so they did very well ash had a piece of that so he did well himself he started angel investing and that's um basically how I started to get involved with him. He introduced me to the world of tech startups and this way of creating wealth, even if you're very poor, is a very fast way of creating wealth. You know, they, they say you can't get rich overnight and you can't do that in startups overnight, but it's much rare as it's before it used to be maybe a 30 year time frame. Mm-hmm. In startups, you can get rich five to 10 year time frame. It's kind of like possible, very difficult, but possible. So people are drawn to that world. Okay, so, so now someone's listening to this and, you know, they've probably just finished un- university looking for a job and, of course, looking to get rich quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and um, and you've mentioned, you know, you help people start up their, their, their business or, and you mentioned angel investment? Yeah. What's that about and how, yeah. how, how does that get you that? Re- yeah, good question. It's a weird, it's a weird name, angel investment. Yeah. Uh, it just means, and I didn't know this name until I got involved. So my background is digital marketing. So online marketing uh, would help local businesses get a website um, and market themselves, get higher up on Google, kind of do ads and stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of the digital marketing world. And then there's the tech startup world, which is like based around Silicon Valley startup companies, which then become giants like Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple. All of these are kind of tech startups at one point, and now they're, they're know, one of the biggest companies in the world. Um, angel, so when I got introduced to this world, I got used to all the new jargon and all the vocab that they use. Angel investing just means an individual who's done well for himself, who wants to invest his personal money, compared to venture capital funding, which is they have a fund that people have put into, and then those people where it's their job, their full-time job to run that fund and try and find startups to invest in. And usually angel investors, who are these individuals, they invest at an earlier stage with lower sums of money. And venture capitalists 
invest at a later stage with bigger sums of money. So it's kind of how it works. Would you, if someone's in, into that, would you would you encourage them to go into it today or to become with an the investor? current? Yeah, with the current market. Uh, well, investing in tech startups is very very risky. So usually the best way to do it is if you have so much money that you can take a lot of place place a lot of bets. You know, metaphorically speaking, well, or maybe even literally, mm-hmm. because you never know what's going to succeed. Even, you know, no one knows 100%. There's a lot of luck involved. There's some factors that you could look at, and they definitely do look at it if they know what they're doing. And that's what I was doing, actually. I was seeing with Ash as startups were pitching us, and it was kind of that Dragon's Den vibe where we would sit there and they would pitch us in America's called Shark Tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I started to learn about pitching, about what they look for in startup companies, what they're happy with in terms of their progress that they've made. And just to clarify as well, startup companies are like things like apps or websites or software companies, mm-hmm. things which are more kind of digital. You know, the old name for it is IT. Mm-hmm. But kind of that's almost falling out slowly out of favor for tech is kind of the new way of describing it. Well, obviously, I, I got to... <clears throat> I know you from before, but I was introduced to having you on this show because of the TED talk that you did a few weeks ago. Yeah, uh, which was quite popular. Uh, a lot of people were sharing the talk. Um, how did you get into that, um, and why the topic that you picked? Obviously, that you spoke about this unfair advantage. Yeah. Um, so I. How did I get into that? So I would never have thought at the end of my talk, I actually say that I never would have expected I'd stand up on stage and give a TED talk at one point. But there I was doing it. Um, and now you're doing a podcast. And now I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> uh, never thought I'd become an author, a published author. And, you know, there's a picture of me that I have in the talk where I'm signing a publishing deal with one of our favorite publishers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur, to be honest with you. I never thought of that as a path that I can go down. It was a career path and I didn't know, I didn't have any career guidance. But the question was, how did I get a TED talk? Well, it came from having a good idea. So TED is all about ideas worth sharing. And when we developed this concept, this framework that we had for the unfair advantage and something called the Miles framework, which I can explain as well. um, That's when we thought about how we're, we're kind of brought up to believe that we're, especially in the West I'm talking about, that we live in a meritocracy, that if you work hard enough, if you're smart enough, if you're talented enough, you're going to succeed. Um, and all it takes is belief, and especially the self-help kind of gurus, who they'll say, just believe and Believe work in hard. yourself and work hard. Exactly. Anything, you can achieve anything. And I don't, I'm not completely disagreeing with that. There's a lot of power and truth in that, but it's not quite scientifically true. Not anyone can achieve anything. Not anyone could be, can get any station in life. It's not quite that achievable. There is kind of a realism factor that you need to factor into it. And that factor is the idea that if you look at somebody, let's say somebody like Jeff Bezos, who's the richest man in the world right now, the the CEO and founder of Amazon. Amazon. Um, it's not like, oh yeah, if I work hard, I'll be not richer than Amazon. Jeff Bezos. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's simply not, not that easy. Even Elon Musk, who's another super rich guy, the guy who did Tesla and SpaceX, yeah, and yeah, yeah. originally he did PayPal. Um, he says that I started these companies thinking that they'd fail, right? I, I didn't, I thought my chance, not 100%, but he says, I thought my chances of success were very, very low. But I went for it anyway. And um, ultimately, it's there's a lot of luck thrown into the mix. There's a lot of um, fate. Some people can consider it. Some people can consider, can think of it in many different ways. But ultimately, you're not in 100% control of your own outcomes, of your own success, let's say. You're partially in control of it. So what I thought of as being two kind of mindsets to have. One is the belief in meritocracy and hard work 100%. It's sort of the belief in the American dream. Mm-hmm. Um, if you work hard enough, you can make it. Whereas the other side of the spectrum, the other extreme is that it's all luck. That guy's just lucky. That's why he's right. Any if they see anyone who's done well in life, they think they've just they're just. He lucky. was at the right place at the right time, and then it happened for him. Or or even worse, or he's evil, <laughs> right? Sometimes some people believe that um, rich people get rich by being unethical, and maybe there is some truth to that in Avoiding some cases. Tax. Avoiding tax. Avoiding <laughs> tax. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's a case of what kind of mindset do we have about wealth. And what kind of mindset, first of all, is accurate and true? 
And also what is an empowering mindset as well, right? So what can not stop us from taking action and make us have a victim mindset? That's the kind of the worst mindset you can have if you want to achieve success. It's more about what kind of mindset can help me achieve what I want to achieve, but at the same time, not constantly be dissatisfied and wanting more, not constantly never being happy with whatever level of, whether it's financial success, whether it's recognition and awards, whatever it might be, reputation, some people are just never happy, right? We all know the people who they always want more. So how do we avoid falling into that trap? And also how do we avoid falling into the trap of doing nothing and being powerless and being almost a victim? And it was a case of, we believe that it was about looking at unfair advantages and not unfair. Unfair is quite a loaded word. It can mean unethical or something yeah. like that, but we don't mean it in that sense. Um, I'm surely that exists, but hopefully nobody listening here wants to achieve wealth in that way because ultimately it's not going to be satisfying and if you believe that you know there, there's other consequences and spiritual sides to that as well that's going to affect you too so hopefully in an ethical way but doubling down on your unfair advantages now by unfair advantages I mean things where you already have a head start things which you're already good at or things where your circumstances or situation allows you to kind of exploit or you know take advantage of or double down on so that's kind of the way I would look at unfair advantages. Do do people should people now, you know, like you said, you know, nowadays we look at our strengths. I'm good at public speaking. I'm good at mm. I don't know whatever I'm good at. But should people should people start looking at their unfair advantages as well and and sort of weighing them up when 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 they want to choose a career or they, when they want to take a path? Absolutely. So I think it starts with self awareness. So if you so one of the oldest philosophical things back to I think it was Plato or Aristotle they said know thyself Socrates it could be any of those Greek philosophers yeah, yeah. and they said know thyself know yourself so you have to have knowledge of yourself and to be honest it takes time to know yourself it takes a lot of time and reflection to know okay what am I actually good at you have to speak to people you have to get feedback you have to work in different environments you have to try different things in your life to figure out what you're good at so knowing yourself is knowing not just what you're good at, what your personality is like. And that's one another way to look at why we came up with this concept in the book is we often be asked, uh, how do I, for example, should I um, do a postgrad degree or should I just go ahead and start my own business and learn by doing rather than doing an MBA, for example? Or should I um, quit my job to focus on my business or should I kind of focus, stay at my day job and working on the side and these kinds of questions that I would get and Ash would get asking for advice and the answer is it depends on yourself yeah it depends on it your. depends on your personality it depends on your goals your why it depends on your um, situation right now so somebody who's got a lot of dependents got a lot of children um, maybe he's got a young children and his wife is at home he's and he doesn't have a big pot of savings to dive into he's be different for him compared to somebody who who's single lives with his parents he's just graduated university and you know a, a business idea that he's had is getting some traction like the advice is going to be different so the way i like to think of it is just like how slowly medicine is becoming more personalized they say the technology in medicine is going to be to check out people's dna and figure out what's the right medicine for them what's going to work for them or even diet like what's the best diet for me based on my dna yeah each person is different right yeah. Whereas we had a one-size-fits-all approach yeah. until now. Similar for advice and self-help, right? You have to look at your own situation. It's going to be different for everyone. It's, 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 it's amazing that you, you say you say this, you know, each person is different. And you need to know yourself. And um, the Imam Ali, the cousin of the Holy Prophet, uh, says, Man arifa nafsa, arifa rabba. Someone who knows himself, knows his Lord and... I always think when I read that, you know, if you know yourself, you know your God or you know your Lord. I think, you know, so what does that does that even make sense? How will you know God by? And then it makes sense because the more you know yourself, the more you'll know what you want to do. The more you and and you know, our our life is a journey. Uh, one journey could be, you know, getting closer to God. So, so it's it's important. I feel that. Each person, and, and this is a really good point, I think, about about this whole unfair, unfair advantage that you make, that each person is unique in their own way, and each person will have different uh, strengths, different 
unfair advantages as you call them uh, for some reason it's like it sounds like a negative thing yeah Uh, you know the fact that it's an unfair advantage but it's it's, it's kind of a it's a good thing to have an uh, it's a good thing to have it's something that um it's part of the marketing genius of ash ali to come up with that as a term yeah. Um, it's a term that has already been used as well in yeah. some cases for startups. Like, yeah. oh, they have an unfair advantage. They have some special intellectual property that they're using, or they have that so, some superstar so, on their just team. Just so I understand to interrupt. Yeah. Just so I understand. So, um, a male person, a man, mm-hmm. going to find going for an interview for a manager for a role at a bank to be a manager has an unfair advantage over a woman in some cases. Is that is that is that in, in some cases, yeah. Like maybe as a generalization, we'd say, yeah, as because, you know, the stereotypically they would expect a man to be a, a manager. It's more common, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think in some cases or, or in most or, or, cases. And, and again, I'm generalizing, so yeah. it's not the case all the time. Or a white white male over, I don't know. Possibly, yeah. An Arab or yeah. a non-white. Absolutely. And, and it might not even be because he's white. Yeah. It might be because, for example, some companies, they like to... Um, choose a candidates for jobs based on or like to recruit based on culture fit mm-hmm. and if they're using culture fit oh how well does he fit in does that mean he comes he he he'll go and join us at the pub for drinks after work right mm-hmm. and that's another way that for example us as muslims can feel a bit or the ones that don't drink some people don't drink even because they're when they're not muslim they'll feel excluded Right, so that's an unfair disadvantage it's a disadvantage <laughs> right that exactly so that's the thing it's 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 a case of there are unconscious bias and some in some cases unfortunately conscious biases that people have mm-hmm. and to completely ignore them is to just be blind to it and just to delude oneself and to completely focus on them and over focus on them is only to make yourself a victim and it's almost going to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy right so if people are constantly thinking about that oh no they're not going to hire me because i'm muslim i'm a bit brown i have a beard um, I don't drink with them If they've constantly got it in their heads It's probably going to screw with them more than it's going to help them right? Yeah. So it's a case of being aware of what obstacles may exist and then, But taking action anyway And kind of figuring out ways to work around that So I think on a global level, on a policy level We want to try and reduce any um, opportunities We want to level the playing field when it comes to opportunities But at the same time, on a personal level be kind of aware of where they are sort of work the system you know it's kind of like a game let's let me play the game as it is you know this is the situation make the best it, out of it yeah make the best out of it exactly um we, we you touched upon success yeah uh, you mentioned uh Elon Musk from Tesla um how i mean or someone like Bill Gates or whoever is 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 wealth the barometer for success or is is you know being on 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 the front page of a magazine? Yeah, good question. Forbes, is that is that the barometer or the scale to not to say that this person is successful? And and what is success? How 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 would you define how would you define success? Yeah. And what's the scale for it? So that's a really really good question. And something I was very aware of when I was doing my talk and when writing the book, is the fact that and we even touched on this in the book many times. Is the fact that success is not just financial. Success is not just about recognition and being on the cover and being famous. So it's not just about riches and fame and stuff like that at all. But at the same time, and and one of the ways that self-development is broken down, which I like, is kind of like health, wealth, relationships, and then you have spirituality as well. And one could be successful in all four of these areas, could be successful in one, one could be, do you know what I mean? So it's only one out of those, right? What's the point of financial success when you have no relationships? What's the point of all of that when you don't have any, you're not happy inside yourself because your spiritual side is not taken care of mm-hmm. with God or with whatever you, you may believe. So it's a case of thinking about sex, sorry, success holistically. And it's a case of thinking about um, and not overlooking. See, sometimes we become too focused on the other areas and we feel like, oh, wealth is a bit difficult. Let me just, I'm not even going to try that one. Right? I'm mm-hmm. not even going to try and have impact in wealth Because look at all the With wealth you could make a lot of change in the world Right, There are ways, other ways of making change in the world as well Of course don't get me wrong But it's one of the ways that you can have impact You can yeah. help people who are in need You can launch projects that really help a lot of people And help society and help the environment In whatever ways there might be I mean uh, again I, I mentioned Elon Musk Because 
sometimes when I when I see his interviews or even when I read some of his tweets or I feel like he's not really doing it for the money sometimes mm-hmm. or most of the times actually Absolutely. he's just, he's just he's just doing it to actually make a change yeah. uh, even the whole Tesla car thing you know uh, he's actually doing it to make a change and and I think he's I mean I, obviously I'm not in his mind and I have but he's put wealth as a secondary thing to to what he actually wants to achieve yeah and then wealth is just like an added added bonus agreed um but in fact his main sort of aim and I again I use him as an example because I follow him on Twitter and I see you know what he writes about sometimes I think he's lost the plot but um I feel that <laughs> he hasn't put it's not he's not doing it for the money yeah yeah I get the same impression yeah absolutely and I think it's um it's not as uncommon as we think not mm-hmm. all of them I think a lot of them use I don't think Jeff Bezos is you know is motivated by money only you know like it's especially not at this stage like what but i think it's like it's just a way for them to keep score it reaches that level where yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. oh it's just a scoreboard item and this can be unhappy chasing it i've heard from people who kind of sometimes are mentors or coaches and i hear interviews of those people who work and know super super successes like that you know financial successes and oftentimes they can have very um sometimes they can have very unhealthy kind of mindsets where they just always want more that kind of insatiable appetite um and by the way reaching such high incredible highs these people are very driven like incredibly ambitious and driven and they never show that side publicly um somebody like mark zuckerberg he seems so soft-spoken chilled, and nice yeah. and chilled out this guy if you read about his biography and you'll see that he used to bang the table and 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 they used to shout in their board meetings domination domination about facebook like this is the kind of fervor and and like you know drive that they've got and i think partly it can be just genetic like they're literally just born with this you know like they have this thing inside them where they just want more and more um and of course it's you know it's a nature nurture type of thing and of course it's their environment it's the the early success and then the position of power and believing they can have a change and then when you get when you have success you get surrounded by yes men people saying yes to you constantly mm-hmm. and then so then they can they can go off the rails a little bit sometimes they can, who knows like it's very difficult for them to stay emotionally stable when they're in such positions positions you yeah, have power yeah i i i i guess um um the, uh, with 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 a muslim person he's got he's always got to keep himself in check mm. um that's the beauty of 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 having to pray maybe five times a day as, as a muslim where you sort of keep yourself in check but i want i want to come back with this um uh you know you, that, that what we you we touched upon at the beginning which was um the american dream or or you know it's, it's portrayed in 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 um what's the film called uh Wolf Smith's film which yeah. you mentioned as well the pursuit, the of, pursuit happiness. of happiness that's the one um maybe it's not sort of um the the best example to give of the american dream mm-hmm. because he, but w- w- with with you mentioned it in, in your TED talk that's why i wanted to bring it up because it's it's, it's a great film yeah uh it gets you a bit emotional as well absolutely uh uh you, i don't know i don't know anyone that's seen that film that said you know i didn't shed a tear but um <laughs> when, when you when you when you mention it i want to ask you why you mentioned that and is for someone so, you know a lot of people might see this and say oh it's impossible yeah i can't achieve that you know where he i think you know he's got his son with him and he kind of loses the plot yeah but at the end is the title is very strong it's not the pursuit of success or the pursuit of wealth yeah. or the pursuit of it's, it's happiness mm. so the reason i mentioned that film is because it really epitomizes this belief in meritocracy that anybody it, it's supposed it's supposed to be a ultimately not during it but ultimately a feel good movie because it's a happy ending sorry to spoil it for anyone but <laughs> but it's uh and the idea is that um and you know we say the american dream we're living here in the uk right but honestly i feel like with american culture and the western culture there's not too much difference 
we have a little bit more of a class system here in the UK, but there's not too much difference. Nowadays, it's kind of the belief all over the Western world and even in developing countries as well. In India, it's quite common as well. Um, and I believe that as an audience, you're expected to feel like everything, by the end of that movie, everything is right with the world. You're supposed to, I get the sense that you're supposed to feel like, yes, we live in this land of opportunity, for example, the USA. And and this isn't an attack on America in any way in that sense at all. But I'm just saying that it's part of their mythology. Part of their mythology is the American dream. Part of their mythology is this kind of work hard and you can make something of yourself. And you're supposed to be leaving that movie feeling like, yeah, everything's good. He got the job in the end. Everything's happy. He now works for that bank. But when you have to, when you really think about it, why did he have to go through so much? Why is it because he's a black man and he didn't have the opportunities? And of course, it's not is a whole bunch of different reasons. It's not just his, this color of his skin or the race that he is. It's but it's all intertwined, right? And in America, race is a bigger issue. Maybe here in the UK, yeah, it might yeah, maybe definitely. a little bit be more class, let's say. But it's a case of he didn't have the education that some of these guys who are working in Wall Street have. Why didn't he have it? Exactly. And it, why wasn't he, didn't he have the private schools and then go to the Ivy League universities and, and be given the career advice from his father and an internship because he tipped him off. And, and again, don't get me wrong, the people who get, go into Wall Street or who go into the city in London, for example, doesn't mean that they just got it through, purely through luck. doesn't no, mean that they haven't worked, worked for hard, it. Yeah. But it's a nuanced argument. It's to say that they were also set up for success. And that's the conclusion that I come to in my TED Talk. It's the fact that I was, I was, I believed from the success that I had, I was able to set up a business and to have passive income coming in while I was able to travel. That was like my dream. And I couldn't believe that's actually possible. But I really achieved it after two years. And I felt like, yeah, I'd achieved this. I'd worked hard. And I kind of felt like I was patting myself on the back. And then I realized, no, actually, when I saw some, as I recalled in the talk, when I saw some poor kids when I was in the Philippines, and I realized, and they were begging in the street, I realized, like, what's what have they done? Is, is it because they haven't worked hard enough? Is it because they haven't believed hard enough and they're there in, that, in that situation? Not at all. It's not, we're not in control of what happens to where we're born, what happens to us in childhood, what kind of early education we have. None of that is under our control. So we can't um, believe in it. There's also like a, a really good comic. It's, it's about privilege. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll, I'll show it to you as well afterwards. Maybe we can link it in the resources for this. It's a really nice comic of somebody brought up very, let's say, privileged and wealthy family and well-to-do versus a woman who isn't brought up in that kind of family. And the family's going through a lot of strife and struggle and people having ill health. And she, she was living in damp conditions and her parents were always working night shifts. So there's no one at home and she would just sit and watch TV. Whereas the other guy, and they would, it's a really good comic. The, other, the, the boy grows up where his parents are looking after him. And when he gets, for example, um, let's say uh, B, in his grades, his parents tell him you could do better, you should work harder. When the girl gets a B in her grade, her dad, who looks scruffy and probably does a menial job, maybe works nights, tells her, Well done. Like he's happy with that. He's proud of it. So it's it's that it's those early differences that that give people different advantages and disadvantages. And then now again we go back to not having a victim mindset. Let's say you're listening to this and you didn't have such a privileged background. Does that mean that you should feel sorry for yourself or feel like a victim? And then you not end up giving up. Yeah, not at all. Because there are really opportunities out there. Will Smith did make it by the end of that film. Mm -hmm. But the question is, do we all have equal opportunities? Do we all have the same opportunities in front of us? For example, I'm a fluent speaker in English, right? Because I came when I was three years old from Baghdad to London. You studied here. Yeah, studied school, here, uh, everything. Primary, secondary, up until... My English is stronger than my Arabic. And that's lucky. Because if I came with a strong accent, my, the opportunity would be different. Would I be able to speak publicly on, uh, so well on stage? I doubt it. Would I be able to write to be able to get a publishing deal? I don't think so. Similar with working with clients and things like that. It's very, it's, there's a lot of stuff that happens to us which we overlook. You know, there's kind of things that give us an advantage. And then there's the flip side, which is the double-edged sword idea, which is the idea that it doesn't necessarily mean just because it seems like an advantage, it is one, right? You can turn with the right mindset an advantage into a uh, or a disadvantage into an advantage. advantage so one of the examples that we like to give of that is of my co-author ash who grew up in a very poor family his dad worked in a factory he didn't go to university he didn't you know he he they were very poor growing up and that gave him the hunger to succeed 
that made him more creative in the sense of like he can market his business and do things more creatively as opposed to if he had more money he'll just spend it on advertising rather than creatively thinking of ways of promoting his business for example and that's what made him eventually build up a career and get a job with Justy and then start his own startups after that so it's a case of like how do you turn your disadvantages into advantages but at the same time we have to know as a society going back to the the pursuit of happiness is the idea that why was it so difficult for Smith? why did he have to struggle so much why is it so much easier for others you know it's it's that kind of mindset of this is something we have to ponder as a society it's amazing how in um in islam as well we're, we're told that you know we say in arabic i'll translate you know that allah's written everything for you mm. what even if it's your your sustenance your wealth that's been sort of being written for you how uh, and as you, you you beautifully mentioned that you know there's certain things that we don't control where we're born who our parents are what yeah. background we're from what country we we're born in all of that is sort of not our our, our choice and it sort of builds up to this these advantages or disadvantages mm-hmm. um that we grow up with i want to i want to go back again to something that we, we touched upon at the beginning which was um your your degree was in economics that's right um and then after that you started your own business um how easy or difficult is it i mean a lot of people now that that or maybe 10 years ago i'm talking about because that's that's when i when i finished university or longer um as soon as you finish university you sort of want to get into a job yeah um and then do your your nine to fives um especially if you're if you're in 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 a a field where there's a demand for um the more sort of business economics again there there are jobs for that as well but i've noticed and again this is from the people that are around me that most people now are thinking about starting up their own business as soon Mm. as uh, they, they they finished university um, what do you think the, the the difference is and how can someone choose to get into a job or start up their own business? Mm. What what should they be looking at with, 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 with the unfair advantages or with their yeah. capabilities? I'm talking about someone who's just finished uni, he's single, yeah. um, living with his parents. What should he be looking at? What advice would you give? Yeah, uh, good question. So I actually had uh, a job i had two jobs after university um both in the city what year did you graduate sorry 2011 okay so about nine years eight years ago now okay um and what i did is i i didn't know what career path to take honestly i had no idea and i think a lot of people especially with this younger generation they have older brothers sisters cousins <laughs> whoever it might be to advise them and uh, i feel like I didn't have as many people to advise whether if in Iraqi culture it's like going to be either a doctor or you're going to be an engineer <laughs> or, or a pharmacist pharmacist <laughs> if you can't dentist so that's the thing it's 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 a case of like we didn't have the guidance and and it's not fully our parents' fault as well because they didn't grow up in the society and life was even different back then so even mm-hmm. for people who grew up here and people who you know English people who um, things have changed so much since their generation, since our yeah. generation to us. There's a big gap, I feel, between the there last is. generation and this generation. And jobs never existed before exist now. There never used to be social media managers. Mm-hmm. There never used to be um, digital marketers. That doesn't... What's SEO, search engine optimization? What is all this stuff? This mm-hmm. isn't recognized career paths. This isn't... This is all new stuff. And there's going to continue being new stuff. New stuff, yeah. And that's the thing. Um, change is accelerating. That's the thing about... Um, opportunities now are different jobs are not for life anymore job security is not as high as it ever used to be and people jump around from different jobs and that's what I would actually advise not to keep jumping around like ADD but in the sense of if you've been at a company for let's say three to five years you might consider trying to get some more experiences some more opportunities unless you're still learning that's one of the key indicators that I tell people about it's like it's about don't choose something that is about the pay or is about the, especially when you're young or just graduated. Think more about what, where do you learn the most, right? What kind of, and 
if you know what you love and what you're passionate about, then that's amazing. But I didn't. And I feel like there's a lot of people that don't. So I think you should just try things out and keep your mind open. Don't have like um, a stereotype about a certain field or a certain job or even about starting a business. Like maybe talk to people who've done it. Maybe give it a go yourself. When you're young, what you don't realize, you feel like everything is, every decision is so important. When ultimately you can experiment and test around and it's all okay. It's when you get old. And that's again, part of the context. It's about age and what kind of situation you are in life. So you asked about um, starting your own business. It's never been easier to start your own business than it has been today. You could mm-hmm. just, you, all you need to do is set up a website and it's never been easier to set up a website. So, yeah, no, yeah. You could you could just uh, start selling stuff that you never even have the, you never even see. You can, there are people that start up businesses that do drop shipping, for example, who get stuff directly from China. They never even hold the stuff in their hands and they get their directly delivered to the customers, shipped to the customers. And all they do is just sell it on their online store. And that's the only thing that they've done. And they can have a lot of success with that. It's just about how they brand it, how they market it, how they sell it, how they get people's clicks and attention. So that's just one example of all the different ways that you can add value or, or create businesses. So I th- the way I like to think of businesses is as solving problems. So there are a lot of problems that you can solve. But before it used to be you used to have to get an office and you used to have to get staff and you have to get it registered and you have to worry about all these different things. Well, now it's much easier. And now you don't need to think about all that. Just start selling something, wherever it might be, your services or it might be products and start thinking about the stuff later. Once you've actually got sales, then you can start thinking about, okay, I need to register the company. I need to get an account. I need to do taxes and stuff like that. But people stop themselves by worrying about all these little issues when in fact, well, they don't, they don't have a business yet. They have a hobby until they start making sales. Then it's a business. So I think, yeah, if you're comfortable, if you live with your parents, if you you don't have anything um, urgent that any kind of any for example you don't have bills or stuff to pay or people to look after or children then you should definitely give it a shot if if you're if you feel drawn to that if you feel like there's something that you want to do an entrepreneur if you've always thought you'd want to be your own boss but there's there's downsides to it as well you don't have structure you don't have a, a paycheck coming every month you've got uns- a lot of uncertainty in your life I think but it depends on your personality. It's, as it's well. possible that you know. That's why I asked the question. I I I phrased my question. You're living with your parents. Mm. You've just finished university. Yeah. So I think to to and you've got you've got like you said a nice hobby of I don't know, uh, getting into into uh, becoming an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or selling stuff. Um, then you can do that yeah. again. Again, we we we're going back to you know knowing yourself and. Um, if if you're if you're married with kids, then yeah. and you need you need to pay rent and exactly. bills, then it's a different story. You can't really sit down and sell something from China. Yeah, and but the thing is, it depends on your parents as well. <laughs> yeah, from our culture. Imagine you just sit at home and say, "I'm doing an online business." What yeah. are you doing? <laughs> go go get a job. What are you doing? Stay yeah. at home. So it depends if you're if they could deal with that. If you can, like, it depends in so many different situations. If you feel like you have something to do, if you have an idea have some kind of thing to sell or some idea or you can do some consulting or you can build up a big follower on social media or you have an app that you want to build and you want to try it out see if you can sell it see if it's solving a problem for people and they'll download it or pay for it you know there's a lot of different things that you can consider but yeah because the barriers have come down to starting your own business i think more people should give it a shot i don't think entrepreneurship is for everyone but i think if mm-hmm. you feel like you're drawn to it or you're curious about it you should read up more that's definitely something you could find out about um we mentioned something at the start mm-hmm. uh i got a feeling that we teased the the, the people watching listening yeah. but we didn't really explain uh or give them more of an idea about the miles framework which you mentioned can you explain more on that yeah the miles framework is the framework that we've come up with to identify your unfair advantages or to at least understand what kind of categories they fall into so we called it the miles framework which is an acronym for money so money is an unfair advantage intelligence and insight that's i location and luck is l education and expertise that's e and s is for status so those and status covers who you know as well by the way you see your connections okay because if you know people in high places that increases your status okay so it's all of these different factors, these five different ways of breaking it down, 
you don't need to have all of them, for example, to be successful as an entrepreneur or even in life. Like a lot of these also apply to different like um, career success as well. You don't need to have all of them. But what you need to do is rather than focus on where you're weak, focus on where you're strong. So you might have all five, but some might not be as strong because I'm sure exactly. everyone has status some somewhere. Exactly. Everyone knows someone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. obviously we will have yeah. some degree yeah. of status. Yeah. But it's, 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 um, it's about where are you stronger? Where can you? So mm-hmm. for example... Let's give as an example of a hugely successful app is WhatsApp. Everyone mm-hmm. pretty much uses WhatsApp now. Yeah. It was founded by Jan Coombe in Silicon Valley back in, I think, 2007 or something around that time. Um, and uh, it was all based on the idea of, initially, it wasn't actually a messaging app. It was about putting your status, which is why until now you could put a status like mm-hmm. at the gym or something. People yeah, are yeah. busy. That was the original idea that Jan had. Just to, to put a status up. Just to put a status up to, for people to know what you're up to now. That, that was his initial concept. And then push notifications came in as a feature on the iPhone. And then suddenly he thought, oh, I could use this for messaging. And the, the unique thing was it uses your contact book as opposed to different usernames. Mm-hmm. So it just uses phone numbers as, as, a, as a username, basically. Um, so what happened with WhatsApp is Yang Kuhn, where was he strong in? Like, let's do an analysis of this guy. So he was a coder working for Yahoo. At the time, Yahoo is not too amazing now. Yahoo was doing very well in the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. and um, pays very good for a coda in Silicon Valley, a very good mm-hmm. coda. And he actually had savings of $400,000. That's good stuff. That's a nice, with. <laughs> nice, nice little nest egg. <laughs> 400000 He took time off from his job at Yahoo, and he thought, I want to try an idea. And iPhone had just come out. App Store was coming out soon, I think he'd heard about, so he thought, oh, let me code something for the App Store. Um, so he founded it by himself. He started to build it. So by the way, if you can see money was an unfair advantage he had, um, expertise in the sense of coding, he of could code their own app. So another unfair advantage under E. Um, but what else did he have? He wasn't that good with social, typical kind of nerdy guy. Wasn't that great with his connections, with his social connections. He didn't know where he's, because even 400,000, when you, when you really start to build and grow big, you need more, you need more investment. So the, the way these work is they don't really um, tech startups what we call them they don't when they grow fast they usually need funding to grow fast they usually don't get enough profit or not make any profit at all in the case of something like uber to even keep growing right so they grow from funding so he needs to raise more funding so he made he made friends with a guy called brian axon who helped him raise another round of investment from other rich friends and family and maybe it was angel investors at that time and then he joined as a co-founder for that skill set so rather than then Yan Kuhn, the original founder, trying to build up his social skills and network and do fundraising. He got, someone he got somebody else to partner with him who's good at that. And so he got equity in the business and then they came two co-founders in WhatsApp. I think it was two, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. So that shows you how... Use his unfair advantages. Yeah, and use yours and then you can partner up with people or delegate or hire in the other, the other things the that you're not good at. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think, I think that I see what what you're saying. But again, I, th- it's maybe again. I, I'm not into so much uh, right now. Uh, starting off my own business, but mm-hmm. I, 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 if I was 21, I, again, you said it's the, it's the it's the best time for anyone to start up a business. I I understand why because I'm not good with tech, but. Uh, you know, there's so many apps that make everything so easy for you. Yeah. Even if you want to start up your own, own website, my only um, worry, and I'm thinking again of sort of maybe the Muslim or the Iraqi or or someone around uh, our communities, mm-hmm. the problem they're going to face, and you touched upon this, is he's going to tell his parents, family if, uh, that I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, I'm he's sitting at home. He doesn't really have an office. Yeah. He's on his laptop, but. I'm doing my own business at home. And how many people are going to be like to their kids, oh, okay, you can do that. Or how many potential wives or women are going to accept a husband that is starting up his own business? Yeah. And I feel that's why the the older generation who came in, to the UK in the 80s and the 90s and I'm talking again specifically just about Iraqis now here yeah um, they pushed their kids to do medicine or pharmacy or engineering 
because they thought they'll have secure jobs as soon as they they finish their degrees yeah. and we don't have to worry about you know their living costs they'll be okay uh whereas now if he wants to get get married uh he can't be saying you know I'm going to be I, I've got an online business yeah. I'm selling some toys from China or, yeah. or I don't know I'm selling I know I know a guy um uh, a Lebanese guy and he's doing really well he sells trainers online okay um and I thought um okay that's a decent idea but before you know it he's now opening two stores in Kensington and one nice. somewhere else in London as well all from you know just doing something online selling uh, all these fancy trainers yeah. uh, and the, the trainers are quite expensive mm-hmm. uh, they're sort of limited edition trainers i'm known to that as well but they're like 5 600 pounds trainers um and again he he was telling me uh, that's why i'm asking this question he was telling me i had so much difficulties trying to explain to my wife that i'm actually working when i'm sitting yeah, yeah. at home and she thinks you know i'm sitting in my in my in my pjs yeah. doing work online so that's my only that's my only sort of worry when i even though you said it's easy but for our communities we have a disadvantage there's a solution mm-hmm. they call it a side hustle it's quite fancy that's why i asked you this question because <laughs> i you, you're going to find the solution i knew it so you basically have to work really hard by doing it in your spare time that's okay. the key and have like, a job have a job because it's too risky you don't you, so there's two we talk about this in the book so the book is kind of broken down into talking about success a little bit and about life is unfair let's say and the, the introducing the concept of unfair advantages in part one part two is all about the miles framework and how you can find your unfair advantage part three is about how to start a startup and what we break down in that part three is that there's two types of startups one is a lifestyle startup is what we call it Lifestyle startup makes you profit pretty much from the first sale or almost from the first sale, let's say from your second or third sale, because you have low overheads. It's probably going to be an online digital business. You don't really have rents to pay and stuff and payroll or anything like that. You pay some contractors, um, freelancers to do stuff for you online. And usually you you find them and they're not going to be too expensive and um, you just go for it. And by by doing that, so for example, why did is I started with doing websites and doing online marketing? Mm-hmm. That's a lifestyle startup. The other type of startup is the ones you see the headlines of, the famous ones. You only see Uber and Airbnb, and you see Google and Facebook and these ones. These companies weren't f- profitable from the beginning. These companies grew by raising funding and having more and more funding coming into them until one day they monetize. Uber still monetize and make a profit. I mean. Uber still hasn't made a profit. Amazon, barely, you know, sometimes it makes profit, sometimes it doesn't, it depends. The AWS arm makes a profit. The rest of it doesn't really, depending on which market you look at. Mm-hmm. And they just want to grow. So th- we call those hyper-growth startups. For them, it's growth at all costs. You, they just grow. They don't care. They just keep f- get raising funding and growing more. So those are the two types of startups. Now, the hyper-growth startup is much riskier than the lifestyle startup. Because if you work on an app and... One day I'll have enough users and advertising on the app. Then we'll make money. Good luck with that. It's really difficult. But some people can do it. Some people have the unfair advantages necessary to go for it. But for most of us, a lifestyle startup might be more more something that we go down the path of. So especially if you're just thinking from scratch of what to do and you don't have coding skills and you, you don't know about the startup world. It's more a case of doing something on the side. Doing something on the side mm-hmm. while you have a day, t- day job. You can make money, Make have your paycheck coming in and at the same time you can work on it mm-hmm. now, it's hard but you know no one said this is going to be easy yeah, if thing. you want to do that you manage your time yeah and i think it's possible that's why i asked you i knew you'd find a solution yeah. um finally um where do you see yourself in a few years and uh, is there anything new that we should look forward to is there a new book you've thought about yeah. what's happening uh, in the next few years for yourself so the book is now available for pre-order so the book is still not out Okay. Out on the 9th of January 2020. Very inshallah. good, inshallah. Um, the Unfair Advantage, the unfair available advantage. on Amazon. Amazon and also in bookshops. Very Waterstones, WH Smith Travel, hopefully. Okay. You'll see okay. them in airports. Inshallah. So you'll Very see good. them everywhere. Because um, lucky enough to get a publishing deal and not having to self-publish it. Very good. Is, yeah. Um, how, what to look for. So that's what I'm going to be working towards is promoting the book. The book. Especially for the, the last few months of this year. 
Um, um, and yeah, so you can even pre-order that from now. But what I really care about more is about how do we get uh, underprivileged people to have the opportunities that myself and Ash have had, right? How do people who haven't grown up in an entrepreneurial family, by the way, if you see a lot of entrepreneurs today, a lot of the time it's, it's their dad's business or, yeah, their, da- yeah. or their dad's money being yeah. able to invest that. And th- there's no shame in that, by the way. Not, That's not, an unfair feel, advantage. It's an unfair got, advantage yeah. of money and also of the, you kind of get the status you get that um, and you get the expertise brought down from your family who's been in business for so many years, right? And um, there's nothing wrong with that. Most people do this sort of thing. Um, but if you're completely starting from scratch, it's so difficult. Like, that's how I was myself. Like, I had no, I didn't know any entrepreneurs to speak to. It was completely from scratch. I found an online course. I took that course and I learned about how to start my own business and I went from there. So our goal is to help to develop people to become entrepreneurs, to help start their startup, to grow their startup, to raise funding for their startup. Those are the three areas we want to help with. We want to help underprivileged people who don't know about the opportunities of getting, uh, building up a lot of wealth by leveraging technology, by having, why do people get so, why are the richest people in the world right now usually part of some kind of IT or technology thing, whether it's Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk Mm -hmm. or Mark Zuckerberg? These guys, it's because you could really highly leverage technology. It doesn't cost any more money or hardly any more money for more people to join Facebook for, for Facebook, but they could sell more advertising on them, right? Or it doesn't cost that much. Even back in the day when they used to sell Windows CDs, those CDs cost hardly anything. But the software itself is infinitely reproducible. But each item, unlike an object that you buy a chair or something, each time they manufacture the chair is going to cost them a lot of money. When they make more software, it doesn't really cost anything. When more people download your app, it's not going to cost you hardly any more money, if anything. If anything, yeah. So that's why technology can leverage. You can get the, suddenly the whole world opens up as a market. You could start selling to people all over the world. And that's why there's so much opportunity. So I want to open up those opportunities of accelerating technology. I want to let people be aware of the advantages that they have. I want to help entrepreneurs to do more with their life and hopefully to have the social impact as well. So I want to do a social impact company where we can help people who come from underprivileged background who might not be able to afford uh, the courses or workshops that we run. You know, I want to be able to help those people. I want to give advice to people who don't have that advice already. So that's really where I'd like to go with this. Maybe even help in Iraq or the Middle East or other developing countries like Indonesia or something. Inshallah, inshallah, I think. Yeah. I think especially um, the the Middle East and and uh, uh, some parts that are underprivileged, they 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 need that support. Um, uh, that probably they 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 have these advantages. Um, they just don't know how to make the best out of them. Absolutely. Uh, and with your help, inshallah, they inshallah. can. Um, Hassan, uh, thanks for coming today, and uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you, Mustafa. Thanks for having me.